are a mental case, you 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 are mental, you are a mental case, 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 you are mental, possibly. We don't know till we talk about it. Nope. It might not be mental. And it might be a little bit mental. We don't know till we talk about it. So let's talk about it now on the podcast. Let's talk about it now. Hello and welcome to podcast episode number three. This week featuring author of the Betamax theory, Lee Kenny. Um, he's currently living out in New Zealand. And uh, they seem to have cracked the lockdown. He's back to work, but he was uh, kind enough to give me a couple of hours of his time to record uh, this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, coming up in part one, we talk about Christchurch, lockdown, drinking. There's a lot of film chat, and we also do the Simon Pegg anecdote, which I instructed him to tell. Um, in the second half, we'll do all the uh, the mental health shiz and uh, we'll talk about his book at the end as well so uh, yeah i will get on with the podcast but i will see you about midway through to uh, check you're all doing okay all right see you in a bit bye 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 lee thank you for joining me Hello. thank you very much for having me uh, uh, we started we're starting yeah well that's, that's oh sorry. About, that, that's about as, that's oh, about as professional no no this is about as that's professional woeful. as it's gonna get no 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 yeah, and i will okay. not i will refuse to re-edit it ever um oh, okay we, well it's a pleasure to be here thank you good and where is here whereabouts do we find you in the world uh you join me in christchurch new zealand uh Ooh. the time is now uh it's uh 11 30 uh p.m uh, so we're 11 hours ahead of you and how are you finding the lockdown well hang on no, what is the lockdown? What is the New Zealand situation? Which sounds like a yeah, good so, name for your next book, if I'm honest. Yeah, that, that, is, a good, that is a good name for the next book, actually. Uh, so things here are, are okay. So uh, New Zealand um, seems to have handled the situation reasonably well. Um, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, uh, she's uh, rightly, I believe, uh, received a lot of plaudits for uh, the action that she took uh, in, uh, first of all, kind of recognizing that there was like this, this very definite and urgent urgent need to do something so we went under lockdown quite soon actually quite early on um before there'd been any fatalities uh so we had this uh it was a good, it was a, it was a good idea to do it before the fatalities right you know like should we yeah, wait for the deaths should we should we have the cheltenham festival in the uk should we have the, the human petri dish or should we just uh nah let's get it home and save some lives <laughs> yeah, they, they, they seem to have, they seem to have acted well here, and uh, people have been reasonably compliant. And uh, so we went from level four, which was kind of total lockdown, everybody working from home, uh, and, it, and it limited the spread uh, of the virus. Uh, we then moved down to level three, which kind of gave us a bit more kind of freedom. You could, uh, you could like, leave your neighbourhood, and um, most people were still working at home at that stage. I went back to work uh, a week ago for the first time after seven weeks at home. So uh, yeah, it's good. It, it's it's yeah, it's been a strange period. It's been yeah. It's been a transition for everyone, but um, yeah. But ultimately, the, you know, the, the level of cases and fatalities here uh, have been so there've been twenty-one deaths uh, in, in New Zealand. Is that it? Uh, Jesus. Yeah, so okay. So yeah, the system was, was harsh, uh, but it, but it seems to have you know yeah it seems to have worked reasonably well so far. So yeah, you will see kind of uh, yeah. So so normality is kind of resuming a little bit here. So we can go to restaurants again. We can go to bars. Uh, there are still limitations on uh, the size, the sizes of, uh, of gatherings and 
you know people in your in your bubble that kind of stuff but oh, what, uh, what about the what about the sizes of pizza lee are they limiting sizes of pizza i haven't had a pizza so i uh, sorry not that i'm aware no i'm gonna have to end i'm gonna no, have to end this podcast i can't um have i had a pizza i'm trying to think <laughs> what there was there was definite discussion about pizza because that was the big thing wasn't it after after six seven eight weeks of having to cook your own dinner yeah. every night uh-huh. all anyone really wanted to know is when takeaways are going to reopen and so i've had a few takeaways but i can't i can't for the life of me yet think about a pizza but um as far as i know no official word on 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 you know pizza restrictions thank goodness <laughs> i think that would be the final straw wouldn't it you know they, they can you know they they can they, they can impose us you know this 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 draconian lockdown upon us but as soon as they start to mess with that stuff that's when the people will revolt so. yeah, yeah exactly we, we, we are we're, we're lifting lockdown but we're going to limit it to small and medium pizzas and only margarita what the fuck you know the, yeah the hawaiian uh, clan out there and the the meat feast guys they'd just be there'd be riots i mean you, uh, say, you say you haven't had a pizza i would say my my diet has been 90 percent pizza based um and when i say pizza based that's not a pun on a pizza base uh, yeah um, either either ordered and because a lot of takeaways are still delivering around here so i've ordered quite a bit um uh-huh. or or just you know a big fat asda pizza it's been it's been pretty uh it's been pretty doughy pretty carby yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been very bread heavy. Uh, toast, I would say toast. If, if, there's, if, if there's one word that, that probably sums up the lockdown for me, it would be toast. And uh, although you can't get a pizza delivered, certain things were considered an, uh, an essential service. So you could get artisanal bread delivered. And uh, my wife, Sarah, made sure that there was a constant supply of sourdough bread, yeah. Of all sorts of fancy bread, so that just kept me in toast, really. The, Which the and and tensing the way that it's meant, but in my mm. saying that I've ordered a lot of takeaways and you um, ordering artisan bread, it doesn't sound like we're having the hardest time of some people out there. <laughs> we, in a in a weird way, we've because of all the things you can get delivered, we've lived like kings because mm. you can get you can get like you can get real ale delivered to your door, uh, you can get your fruit and veg box delivered, you can get your bread delivered. Sarah had. Akaroa salmon delivered on two occasions. So, uh, so I mean, these businesses have obviously realised there's, there's a there's a gap in the market for yeah for um, people wanting. Um, what else have you got to spend your money on? Basically, you can't oh, go yeah. out. Yeah, so yeah. you might as well you know you might as well spend a wad of cash uh, ordering nice food online. That's 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 pretty much what we've done. Yeah, I've, I've spent it on uh, audio recording equipment so we can get I can get this stuff done. So um, yeah. the other question you 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 mentioned real ales there and it, it piqued my interest. Um, mm. How how's how's the uh, I don't know drinking your normal drinking standard, but how's how's the drinking been during lockdown? Uh, it's been been a tricky one drinking so i've tried i've tried to i've tried to limit it to weekends uh where possible but then before you know it it's a thursday and you fancy one so um it is tricky i did uh so we, we got a, a booze delivery i think that was on a thursday these really nice ipas and i plowed into those through caution to the wind and uh i was a bit of a mess i don't know this sounds really boring to come on a podcast and tell a hangover story but luckily not at all uh I was on a late the next day. I was working two till ten. Thank goodness. Otherwise, yeah, I don't think I've been in any fit state. So uh, I have tried to limit the, the drink during lockdown, but there has been one or two splurges as well. Um, yeah. Where yeah, I've just gone for it because it just—I mean, yeah—it just feels like the you know the the rules have changed. 
So it's hard to know. Yeah. In the in the terms of so this podcast, let me just sort of bring it back to where we are. It's mm. the mental case podcast. So it's it's the whole point was you know, um, and not just because of lockdown. I think you know for for, for much of my life, I've had uh, multiple sort of mental health issues and all the rest of it, and and dealt with it in various ways, whether that be uh, sensible ways like therapy that I'm recently having and, and maybe a little bit of low level medication or not very good ways like I don't know uh drinking to excess you know so uh, inadequate coping strategies in later life and all these things that are used but um yes yeah so so I, I imagine I imagine drinking at home has dialed up quite consistently a lot of podcasts I listen to a lot of people out there are saying yeah it's not going great you know and they sort of go Ooh, do that sort uh -huh. of British, oh, we're drinking a bit, but yeah, uh -huh. but I think when normal starts to return, of course, you know, I, I'm not going to, um, if you heard that ping, there was a ping there. I, I don't know um, if I'm, I, it'll get back to normal, you know, because you, you, you yeah. just naturally will find its, its level again. And, and even doing things like this, it's, 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 it's filling the day more than just like, what's next? Uh, have a beer, you know, and, and that's not, that's not ideal, um, but by any means. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it felt like I was going to go one of two ways. I'd either like super fit because I'm out running all the time, mm. uh, or or not. And uh, and I and I, I probably went out running the first three nights, and then and then the next night was a Friday, and then obviously that's not going to happen. Then it was a Saturday, it wasn't going to happen again. And that then you know, despite my best intentions, uh, that then kind of set the tone. Really, that said, I'm drinking. A, I'm allowed to drink on this podcast. I have a, I have a peppermint tea on the on the go. Oh, well, you uh, drink, so, so drink that's, away. Um, so if you hear me slurping, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. Drink away. Um, I have a, uh, a cup of uh, flat white, which I've I've finally bought some oh. for a um, for a machine that has been dormant for I would say best part of two years. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and as as happens when you spend seven weeks in your own home, you go, what the fuck is that in the corner of my kitchen? Yeah, it's the coffee yeah, machine yeah. I, I once loved and I, I cleaned it up and you know I apologized to it and we had we made yeah. it up with a little kiss and a cuddle and I bought some pods and um and I'm away. Nice. I'm yeah, a, yeah, I mean the, the breville was the classic, wasn't it? The, the, the breville, <laughs> your sandwich. Did you call it a breville in your house? The breville, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, other sandwich makers are available. And um but it would like it, it would be uh, I think in space they, they they make a joke about it as well, where they you know it just gets put to the top of the cupboard and then gets forgotten about for for six months and then you'll see it and you'll be oh yeah I'll have a toasted cheese sandwich or something and Do you put know it down and you'll eat nothing but toasted cheese sandwiches for the next three weeks and then you'll put it away again and, and so so that's it's just the modern hipster equivalent of the breville. What it was exactly the reference the reference I was going to go for was spaced mate. It was exactly where I was going to go. I can't hear the toasted sandwich maker without thinking of spaced and unfortunately so comedy for me and I think comedy for you is an important part of your life um so I you know we, we've got um similar sensibilities I, I think before we come on to comedy and I'll just make a note of that on here because like so we sort of met through friends who also have similar film and comedy sensibilities and i think we yes. we, we went to see uh, the second avengers film i believe in Indeed. a little cinema age of ultron yes. in age of ultron of course it was like mm. i was just waiting for you to i was going to say the uh, subtitle uh, bit but i couldn't remember what's the um my god where, what's the place that we went to um, Evesham, uh, of course. Yes, that nice little cinema that um, Steve and Vicky used to go to in Evesham. So they took us there a few times. And then mm. when the Avengers film came out, um, they said, oh, we'll all get together and we'll go and watch it at that nice little cinema. Uh, the Regal. The Regal, yeah. The yeah. Regal, there you go. It's coming back to me now. This is how long, uh, many years ago now. Um, 
I don't know if I admitted at the time when we went to see that film, but I'd already been to see it uh, on my own, uh, probably on day of release. And I'm not like a massive comic book fan, but I've, I'm fully committed to the Marvel films. Mm. I've, I've kind of frustratingly acquired this habit where I've seen them all in the cinema from from uh, the Hulk, you know, through the Iron Man series, through all the phase one, phase two, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm slightly inconveniently committed to that now because that's because they're what, 24, 25 which, films which, in. Which is a and frustration. Yeah. It's a frustration mm-hmm. because uh, what, I think, yeah. what I think I need to see again is a story about how Peter Parker became Spider-Man. I don't think I understand quite how the spider bit him, but I do need to see it recommitted to screen yet again. I think that's really important. Um, through another actor, someone else up and coming. I mean, fuck my life. I know they've got to renew the rights, right? Because they'll lose yeah. the rights. But <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, and actually, there's been some good iterations of it. Don't get me wrong. I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Homecoming was pretty good. I liked that. Yes. I thought that yeah. was probably the best modern retelling. And Tom Holland is great. Has he been, has he been got rid of now, Tom Holland? It's a tricky one, isn't it? So I think uh, I'm not fully up to date, but there was, yeah, there was the, the, the Marvel, Sony, um, whatever the issue there was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, but, I mean, who knows? We may well get, yeah, you're right, actor number four um, in the, in what, so that'd be like a 20, 25 year period, four actors. Yeah. Playing the same character, yeah, rebooted yet again. But um, I'll still go and watch it, you know. I've, I've, I've been to see the others, so. Well, just, just, um, just in terms yeah. of changing the, uh, the name without confusing the audience too much, they could just hire Tom Hollander. Uh, he said Tom Holland, and to have the short British 50-year-old actor who played Rev in the role. I don't know if it worked quite, but sort of Spider-Man in his, you know, in his dotage. That's, that's the only way they, sh- they should go with these things. Like they talked at one point about um, doing, I know that, appreciate that was a gag and I've gone down the series street, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're right, the, the, the man playing Rev as Spider-Man would be very funny. Thank um, you. They Thank talked you. at one point about um, when, when Mad Men was, was kind of uh, at its peak. They talked mm. about John Hamm playing an older Superman and who's with the absolute perfect casting, like a, like a kind of middle-aged Superman. What would that be like? But talked about it never happened. So I, um, I would like yeah. to see that. In fact, I was uh, just before this podcast, I was going to have an espresso in my little Superman yeah. espresso cup because I was obsessed with Superman. We'll get onto mental health in a bit, but it's, it's important mm-hmm. just to talk about some shit. So yeah, I, I, I am obsessed with Superman and always was and oh, watched okay. the new adventures of Superman and all the, all the Dean Kane um, stuff, all the, all the Christopher Reeve stuff. I actually, yeah. I actually didn't hate at all. I actually like Superman Returns. I thought Brandon Ruth was pretty good in that role. I thought same, same. Yeah, no a, I come back to that film quite often. I mean, it's problematic now that Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor because um, mm-hmm. all I'm thinking about is um, sexual assault, which puts me yeah. off a superhero film. Um, yeah, yeah. All the time he was just a supervillain. That was fine. But uh, <laughs> now we know. Now we know. So when much was, more. When yeah. he was planning to drop whatever that kryptonite was in the ocean and create a new super ice yeah, world. Yeah, wasn't it? It was, like a, it was like a real estate plan or something. It was a real, it was a real estate plan. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, like, uh, it's like at the start of Star Wars when they start talking about trade routes and, you know, you've got these eight and nine-year-olds yeah. going, trade routes, hang on, let me just... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to go all over the place. So let me just come back to Spaced because I will forget this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So Spaced, obviously, uh, very, um, uh, it's a big thing in my life and as is Big Train and Simon Pegg and all his films. Can you tell me, absolute crowbar, the Simon Pegg anecdote that you told me the first time we met? Uh, yes. So uh, I was a huge 
uh, fan of Spaced when that was first aired. Sarah and I would watch that on a Friday night. And I remember first watching it and it was just like, oh, this looks like a funny sitcom. They're funny. They're set in London. He goes on a skateboard. And then there was one episode when he, um, uh, his comic book, he sends his comic book to Darkstar Comics and he's included the picture of the owner of Darkstar Comics that says, I'm a massive twat. Remember that? Yes. So he has to break into Darkstar Comics and then get it back. Yeah. And I was watching this and, and there's a moment when the, the guy who played the head of Darkstar Comics comes out the lift and, and they fall on the floor and they're kind of, I'm doing the actions here, uh, they fall on the floor and they're kind of like pushing themselves away along the floor, away from the lift, just like Sarah Connor did in Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's shot in exactly the same way. And, and, and I don't know whether I just hadn't noticed or whether... Uh, I probably hadn't been paying close enough attention, but that, that was the moment for me when the penny dropped with space and they were talking about films that I was just obsessed with as well. And, and you couldn't rewind telly back then, you know, that you couldn't pause it. So I'm there such a Sarah, look, it's that thing from Terminator 2. It's the exact same scene from Terminator 2. And, and, and I kind of fell in love with the show at that moment. So a big fan of, i have never seen any big train, uh, but really loved space and, and watched it quite obsessively when the DVD finally did come out. Watch Shaun of the Dead, really like that as well. And then by this stage, I was a journalist working in Birmingham, kind of 2006, uh, when uh, Hot Fuzz was released. And uh, people at work kind of knew that I was like a film fan or something like that. Um, so that they, they said that I could go to the premiere of Hot Fuzz, uh, which was being held uh, in the Cineworld Cinema on Broad Street. And uh, Edgar Wright's, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg were going to be there. So that was amazing. I was going to get to go and see the film and I kind of thought I might get a glimpse of them. Yeah. It was in February and, yeah. uh, and, and it snowed really, really heavily. So all of the actual VIPs that were meant to go, who I presume were like Villa players, people off Central News, they didn't turn up because the, because the, because the, uh, the weather was too bad. It was snowed in. But I did go and Sarah, Sarah came along and... Um, we went to the bar and there was Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and uh, we spent like a good half an hour chatting with them before the film. Then we went and watched the film and then we came out back into the VIP area. What did you guys think? Uh, Nick Frost bought me a drink. I said, I offered to buy him a drink and uh, he kindly got me one. And, uh, and, it, was, and it was great. And, and uh, yeah, we had some pictures with him. It was, it was really nice to hang out. I didn't get to speak to Edgar Wright because he has, he has got some family that lived in Sutton Hall, no, in Solly Hall. And they came out, so he was kind of hanging out with them. Uh, but yeah, got to, got to speak to them lots. And they had just come back from uh, America where they'd been hanging out with um, like George Romero and Quentin Tarantino and all these kind of... So, so yeah, I was period. pumping them, yeah. yeah, kind of asking them lots of questions and stuff. And, uh, and they were great. They were, they were like very, very affable. Um, and then obviously off the back of that, Simon Pegg went kind of, um, you know, it's kind of supersonic in his career and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, they seemed like great people. Yeah, they were very, it, was, it was a very fun... <laughs> Yeah. For, for anyone watching the video version of this on YouTube, I, you'll notice I didn't smile much during that story once you got into it because I'm so fucking jealous of that as a, as a thing. So that's the way to meet your heroes, right? So it, it, there's a number of people that I want to spend some time with in the, in the industry and just and actually not, not be fanboy and tell them that it means a lot and all the rest of it because I think they probably know that or quote lines back at them. I just want to have a drink with someone and go, oh, hey, you know, bump into Steve Coogan in a totally normal environment, um, spend some time with, I don't know, um, people that I really like, people like Adam Buxton, Ellis James, John Robbins, all these people. I just want to spend a bit of time with them in, in a very casual, oh, yeah, see you later, sort of way. Because when I have met these people and I... Um, 
the two I just mentioned then, Ellis James and John Robbins, who do a really good podcast in, in the UK, started on Radio X and moved to um, uh, Five Live. They, they've been really good. Um, uh, they, they talk about mental health a lot on the podcast and it's been hugely important to me. So I went and saw them do a, an interview at uh, the Soho Theatre and afterwards in the bar they were hanging around, you know, you saw them and you thought, and I just walked up and had quite a good conversation with Ellis who's from Wales and we spoke about music because I got into a bit of music that he suggested. But with John Robbins, who's who's harder to talk to anyway, it was just, uh, oh, oh God, love you. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, yeah. No, uh -huh. and I was four or five pints in at this point, so I'm sure it was just the, the worst experience for 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 everyone involved. But um, yeah, it's that natural bumping in, and I'm sure you've got their numbers, and I'm sure you're feeding them screenplays every two seconds. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't quite get to that stage, sadly, but you know, I felt like you know. Um, well, maybe though, it, it, it was it was about as good an experience as it could have been without, yeah, without becoming, you know, lifelong friends off the back of it. Um, and and it was all the more ironic that they before the film screening, they had done a signing in the old HMV in Birmingham, and where they were signing posters and DVD covers and that kind of stuff. And uh, and it, as I mentioned, it was snowing, so it's freezing cold. And I stood outside to get my Shaun of the Dead poster signed um, for, I don't know how long, more than an hour, like so cold, like Sarah went up and got a coffee and uh, stood in the line. We inch forward, got to the door, got to the desk where the three of them were. How are you doing, guys? Nice to meet you. Uh, what's your name? Lee. And I've never, uh, I was never really that big a fan of Tenacious D, but I believe that they did a song called Lee or something, or there's, there's, like, there's a chorus that goes Lee, D, D, or something like that. So they started singing that song to me. So I got a song from oh. inside my Sean of Dead poster. But then, cut to an hour later, I was in the bar with them. And um, yeah, I said to Nick Frost, I said, I was in the queue an hour ago. And he said, oh, you need the bother. That's why I didn't know I was going to get to meet you here tonight. So, so um, and, and, you yeah. know, for, for someone who I likely, that, that story puts me off you massively because of the jealousy is so high in me. I don't, I sort of don't want to actually look at you in the eye anymore. So I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have um, to copy uh, you can be envious without being jealous. You can, you can, but yeah, I find that I mean, very, like, very hard to do. Uh, I mentioned my wife, Sarah. She's, um, uh, when we first got together, uh, she was training to be a psychiatric nurse. Uh, and, and I'll be totally honest, since she was 20 when we got together. Uh, so I was, nobody in my family that I knew of really had kind of been affected by mental health issues. Or if they had, it just never got spoken about. And, and I'll be honest, it wasn't until... I got together with her and she, you know, she talked to me about her role as a psychiatric nurse. And, and you know, I, I, know, I genuinely grew up without any kind of concept of, um, uh, of the need for good mental health or even what the fuck it was. Like, like, it was just literally never, ever talked about. And obviously, as you kind of get older, you kind of, you look back at your family, you can kind of see, like, evidence of, like, like illness or addiction or, you know, just, just kind of, like, bad behavioural practices and that kind of stuff. But at the time, definitely never, ever mentioned until yeah she kind of got together with a psychiatric nurse and um and you know and and, and it's been it's been in line actually like my my understanding uh you know you're all, we're always learning aren't we like, hopefully we are and yeah just you know my understanding of, of uh and, and sarah's now you know uh, retrained as a cognitive behavioral therapist and and and, and, he, and and even that's just kind of like kind of further pushed my understanding of of what it is what it means why it's important and actually why it's um well like even just like in, in its crudest sense, like, you know, just, you know, of course you'd go and see your doctor if you had a broken arm, but there's still such a stigma about going to see your doctor 
about a mental health matter and and and, and it's less so it's definitely less so um i did a series of interviews uh, so i'm a journalist here in christchurch and uh, i did a series of interviews with five young people at the end of 2019 just to kind of use them they, they, and they're all brilliant that like they were kind of handpicked because they were like one was an activist uh, one was kind of involved with fashion one was a musician and uh, and then they're all great and I interviewed them separately and they, but they all used words they all used terms that i as a young person never would have ever encountered like terms like anxiety and probably even depression i might have kind of heard of depression when i was a teenager but but you know things like you know like anxiety and stuff like that it just never even you know uh, on my it was never spoken of when i was when i was a, you know 16 17 year old but these young people kind of spoke about this this stuff you know with with, with you know real honesty um, so, so perhaps for, 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 you know, for a generation younger than mine, it, it is a more open discussion, um, than, than it was for me, but, um, yeah, but, it, but it's good. That's why things like this are good, you know, things like these kind of podcasts, you know, just get people thinking about this kind of stuff. A bit more. So something you said that really interests me. So, so you said like it wasn't big, you weren't talking about using the terms, but would you say retrospectively <clears throat> before you like you met Sarah, you were, you were affected by it or you had those thoughts or were you pretty like i know it sounds like a bit of a throwaway sentence but a happy-go-lucky person who didn't really dwell uh yeah yeah and, and, and i think to some extent i still am um but uh you know my my, my father's an alcoholic so there, there was definitely you know there, there was there, that that was that was in our lives um but it was never kind of talked off uh, in the way that it is now in, in, in terms of it being you know a, you know a mental illness or perhaps the symptom of the mental illness uh, and things like that. Um, we lost a family member. I guess what would it be to me? Uh, like a second cousin or something like that. Which years later I found out he'd kind of taken his own life. Which uh, I was quite, I was about nine or something when when he died. And I think it was kind of it was it was kind of it never specifically said what what happened to this guy. And he's not not somebody that we saw that often. But he was always like really good fun when we were kids at like family parties and Christmas and stuff. And then years later I kind of found out he took his own life. And that was. It was almost kind of like sadder to hear years later that he'd take his own life than it was to hear in the first instance that he died, if, if that kind of made sense. Can I um, say, it almost feels mm. like, uh, this is, and this is me putting a massive value judgment on this, almost feels like a cover-up not to say. Like, it, to say, oh yeah, he's not, uh, he's not around. And yeah, okay, he's taking his own life. It's shit, right? But better to say, it's, it's almost, for me, and this is a personal opinion, and I, I, I will say a lot, but it's almost like an insult to that person's memory to not communicate that out. Yeah, I, I guess, it, I mean, in, in that, that particular example, I think um, uh, we, we were just young. We, we were young kids, and I guess it was just, uh, for whatever reason, it was just kind of too difficult to convey yeah. uh, what, what he'd done. But, uh, but yeah, uh, so, 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 I mean, yeah, probably was quite happy-go-lucky, and, 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 but, but it was kind of aware of this kind of stuff but, but it was never um uh, yeah it was yeah you're probably right it wasn't until kind of later on that you kind of look back and you can obviously i'm no expert at diagnosing anything but you can you can certainly see evidence of of, of things that, that perhaps you know uh, at the time just felt like you know normal life yeah 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 yeah. no that, that i think that's that's really important it's, it's that's a really good point to make it's the when you look back sort of thing and and like you said the evidence inverted commas is the you go, oh, well, that makes a bit of sense. And, and little things they said or did or whatever. But yeah. also, and I'll just say this before I, um, well, I move on to something else, which is, you know, 
there's two things you mentioned there and 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 i don't just think seeing the doctor about your your broken leg i think seeing each other about your broken leg so the analogy i'm full of fucking mental health analogies that i don't stop banging on about but uh-huh. if if you'd come on camera today with your arm in a cast that probably would have sidelined the conversation for at least 10 minutes where i would have gone lee what's yeah. what's happened mate what's happened another wanking accident yeah. No, I mean, we've all been there seven weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and the wanking can get out of hand. I know you've told me about yeah, this yeah. privately. I mean, off camera before about yeah, how yeah. furious it can be and it can lead to broken wrists. Right. But like we would talk about it for a time and you tell me it was a skiing accident or whatever. And I'd go, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, you know, whereas another you, skiing accident, a bloody fourth one another this one. week. Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> but what I wouldn't know straight away yeah. is if your head's broken, because yeah. if your head's broken today, I don't know. and. The only way to really inquire is to ask questions. So the sort of the tips, I want to like give tips to people who spend time with people who might have mental health issues and they don't know how to approach it. So there'll be people listening to this who have mental health issues and go, yeah, oh, this is really good. Yeah, that's how I feel. And there'll be people going, I have no clue what you're talking about, but I have a family member and I often tread on eggshells or something. Don't tread on eggshells. And also the other thing is, I hate to give that sort of direct advice, but don't tell them how they're feeling. Ask them how they're feeling and listen to the answer. And the answer might not be the answer you want to hear. I've had family members text me during quite a stressful situation where it has been telling me how I should be feeling and and admonishing Uh me for doing the wrong thing. Doesn't Uh help when you're in that headspace, I have to say. Puts you in the worst headspace. So Uh not, not ideal. But yeah, so I wouldn't know. And the other thing to say is that for someone who suffers from anxiety and depression, I see it on people like like that little fucking kid from the sixth sense sees dead people. I see it like I can see yeah, okay. it in people and not always straight away, but if I spend a little bit of time with them, I'm like, ah. and I've had some nice moments in mm-hmm. um there was a moment in a bar about two months ago where this guy was going I don't want to identify him because it's not fair unless they want to be identified, but he's like, Yeah, you know, it's it's been tricky, blah blah blah. I was like, okay. We uh, said, shoot me down if I'm wrong. What were we talking about? Depression? He was like, yeah, yeah, a bit. I was like, okay, cool. And he was like, you know, and I don't really want to take medication. I was like, oh, are you on fluxetine? Bit of Prozac? And he went, yeah, 20 milligrams. And we high-fived. And, like, it was a nice moment to have another yeah, okay. uh-huh. guy who's, like, in his early 20s go, I don't want to talk about this. This is awkward for me. I'm like, yeah. ain't awkward for me. I'm 34 and mm-hmm. it's absolutely fine. And the more not awkward and normalized it becomes, I don't want anyone to ever feel awkward about talking to me about it and ask me any question. I'll just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is how it is. And it's fine. I started seeing a counselor uh, what, about 10 weeks ago. And um, my work actually, um, this is a sign of the times, are actually paying yeah, okay. for it. So um, yeah, okay. they offered it because they saw that I was in a bit of a place and which is really kind. And uh, I've never been in an office with someone, but I do it over Zoom. So I do it over this and uh, yeah. it works really well. I either have the video on or sometimes I'm walking and just that, yeah. that 50 minutes uh, a week is can sometimes happen where not a lot's going on and you just explore other stuff. But sometimes it's been like a Whoa, fucking hell of a week. And it's really important. Sorry, Windy Pops. Mm-hmm. Just like just like Johnny Vaughan used to get on the Big Breakfast. Um, the classic reference for anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's really good, and um, and they don't presume to tell you how you're feeling, but they do. You know, you sort of say some truths in your head, and and what we talked mm-hmm. about this week is core beliefs. So like a core belief you've always held that mm. that that impacts on everything that you do. 
whether you know it's happening or not, you know, and that's, I know subconscious, you can talk about all this stuff, but those core beliefs that are built up in you in childhood are going to affect you. Yes. Whether you want to believe it or not, they are every day, every decision. And you can coach that out of you to a certain extent. There's, you know, things like attachment uh, theory and all this sort of stuff. You can, you can change your perception, but it's fucking hard because as humans we search for patterns right and we sort of like the familiarity so if the familiarity is we fuck up a little bit and we drink a bit too much we'll probably keep doing that yeah yeah uh-huh. feels feels comforting mm-hmm. sorry I'm, I'm i'm therapizing now for no reason but it's just no, uh, no, it's, it's interesting to hear you know, it, it's you know, and, and there's all these kind of discussions that um so when would it have been when uh, in, in like the, the kind of mid to late 80s when eastenders first started there was like a famous storyline where uh, a character called Arthur Fowler uh, <laughs> yes. might not mean anything to anyone, but uh, Arthur Fowler, um, yeah. who was like a good guy, he was like one of the he was one of the, the nice ones on the show. Uh, he had a he had a mental breakdown, and I'd never heard of that kind of language. I was like eight or something, eight or nine, and uh, Arthur Fowler, and and but there was a joke going around at the time about Arthur being in the loony bin, and I'm sure EastEnders like the thought was that you know this would be a really good way, it's like you know most successful soap opera in the country or whatever it was at the time really good way to get people talking about mental health and depression and you know the pressure that people face but all i remember from that time is like people making jokes about arthur being in the loony bin that was that was that was the i mean when was the last time you heard anybody talk about the loony bin and uh so so that just felt like like whatever whatever they tried to achieve with uh with that storyline i mean that that was certainly my takeaway from it as a a kid was jokes about the jokes that i perpetuated as well because they were hilarious because you know the loony being in it it's funny right so um and 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 then kind of cut to now and and you know no no show no 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 show on tv um wouldn't feature these things now and they'd be kind of talked about in a way you know that it's very open just like just like you were in you know in in a way that's that's very it's very useful and supportive and there's almost something like there was like a i remember I was a kid, so I don't remember it that vividly, but like definitely that, that storyline, there was something like weirdly voyeuristic about it. Like we were kind of getting to see, mm. uh, you know, you know, like in towns, like, you know, like I grew up in Warsaw in the West Midlands and like there was a guy there who's kind of famous for just, you know, just sort of shouting at people and stuff like that in the streets and yeah. kind of rumors about what happens with that kind of guy. I mean, looking back, he was probably only 25 and, um, and and, and, and so I'd kind of known about this guy for years, you know, as a teenager going into town and sometimes you'd see him, sometimes you wouldn't. And again, it wasn't until I started like going out with Sarah. But I remember saying something like, you know, imagine, imagine what it took for him to be like that. And it, like that, literally that thought had never crossed my mind oh, uh, my. until that point because, it, because I just took something quite literally at face value. Like this guy shouting at people in the streets or this guy, I remember seeing him hit somebody once and stuff like that. So, okay. um, but, but, you know, just didn't even, wasn't even like prompted. I didn't have any kind of notion of, 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 of even trying to gauge what might be the cause or the reason or the yeah, no. of this person. And that feels different now. No, me. no, I think, I think, no, I think he sounds mental. No, no, that's a joke. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that, is, that's what we, that's what we said. Uh, I can even the, tell you the guy's name and, it, that, that, you, but, and you know, uh, and, 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 and that's what we used to say. Like, it, it was funny for us as kids. It was funny to see this man shouting and, and doing this yeah. stuff. And, and, and that man was probably... Uh, who, who the fuck knows? Like you know, was he was he in turmoil? Or did he love shouting at people? I don't know. But but yeah, that that was that was couldn't even didn't even cross my mind to, to have any thoughts as to what might have driven that poor man 
you know, to, to be doing that, be doing that stuff. Um, no, I know. And, and I, I think you can't admonish yourself when you, you know, and, and yeah, I don't think you are, but you know, as a child for your reaction to it and you're right. Things like the loony bin, you know, way back when the madhouse, that sort of thing. Yeah, and yeah. and even the reason I've called this the mental case podcast is because people still go, he's a bit of a mental case. And you're yeah, like, yeah, no. yeah. And I used the word oh, mentally yeah. myself, uh, one of the uh -huh. early therapy sessions. She went, yeah, we don't, we don't particularly like that phrase. Right, as such. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So I'm sort of trying to use it as a, to normalize it, to go, it's not, you can say yeah. mental, but you, whatever, you know, and, and um, uh -huh. yeah, those, those characters exist in every town. That will be a common story for most people listening to that, which is yeah. the guy who used to walk around, you know, um, swearing at people, maybe not even drinking, just mumbling to themselves and you go, oh yeah. And yeah, it either becomes a joke thing, or I think as you get older, you become like quite concerned. You're obviously, this sounds awful, but you're concerned for your own safety as well, because you don't know what's going on in people's heads. But also sometimes it is just the talking to those people that might absolutely be the, the help that they need that day. Um, you know, I know when I felt at my lowest points, you know, being out in society and having everyone around you and no one talk to you is almost like it exacerbates it even worse. Right. Okay. Um, and exacerbate means to make things worse. The, 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 the adaptability thing, I think is really important. And, and I think, I think that usually does stand me in quite good stead. Uh, I remember hearing ages and ages ago, I don't know who said it, like, um, uh, like, like change is the only inevitability. And, and if you kind of accept that, then actually it makes change a lot easier. Because if, you, if you're very resistant to change, then life's just a constant fucking battle. You know, like just constantly fighting change or adjusting to change. Whereas if you kind of accept that it, it's an inevitability and, dare I say, kind of embrace it and enjoy it and sometimes even instigate it. So uh, I'm here in New Zealand because Sarah and I, in 2017, quit our jobs. We were both in a kind of situation where uh, I didn't really like what I was working anymore. She was kind of working in mental health. It was kind of hard. She was ready for a break. So we quit our jobs and left and it was, that was a hard call to make, you know, the part of it was, you know, just, it, it was about just throwing up in the air and seeing where it landed. And, and right now it's landed quite well for us, but that wasn't always the case. So, um, uh, weirdly we should actually be back. So I've been in England for nearly three years. Uh, so since we left in 2017 and we traveled lots and it was, it was great, just exactly how we wanted it to be. Um, uh, but we should be actually back now in England for five weeks for my sister's wedding, which should be uh, this weekend, which is heartbreaking. Ah, yeah, that's man. The case. And, and she's, she's been very stoic. She's been wonderful about it all. But, but you know, at the same time, um, this isn't how it was meant to be. And, and we've all had to, you know, everyone has had to adjust to, you know, all those plans that we had, you know, uh, we've all had to adjust. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll take few things a little bit less for granted than we did before. Maybe we'll be a bit more adaptable than we were before as a result of this experience. But, I'm crossing, yeah, so, for the podcast listeners only, I'm crossing my fingers. I don't know. And I think there's a lot of things yeah. being said about we're going to change, hopefully. And by the way, I hate to trample over your sentimentality there, but um, you do oh, yeah. have to, uh, change is very important. And I think if you can't, you know, one piece, two piece, five piece, 10 piece, I think change, I keep a lot of change. I keep it in a little jar. And it's very oh, important. I think uh, without change, how are you paying for you know the little extra bits? Uh, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. It's true. I used to keep one of those jars, and Did you know, you'd cash it in once every three years. Yeah, it was good. Cool. Uh, you take it to the Coinstar. Uh, yes. Uh, down the Asda, and yes. you could make a fortune. Yeah, yeah. So but no, that's you get. no, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, your reaction to my shit. Right, if I made that right, I'm going to just explore something very briefly. Like I've got ten minutes yeah, go on, left. Go on. 
If I'd made that joke as soon as you said change, you would have laughed, right? But the countdown clock of joke had started, and I hear this in my head. It's the 30-second timer, which is saying, oh, it's gone past 15, he's not mentioning change anymore. If you make the joke, it's not really going to work, and it's gone. Then I came back to it, and you went, yeah, yeah. I acknowledge that that makes sense as a semantic use of the word change. Well done. Yeah. But that's not exactly what I was going for. I think I would have got the bigger laugh if I'd interrupted your very serious emotional point. So now I'm annoyed at myself for not doing it because who cares about Sarah's sister's wedding, really? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you did the right thing, but morally, I think, uh, but, but maybe not comedically, and, and maybe that's something you need to wrestle with, you know, in the uh, uh, in the pie chart of politeness versus versus comedy. Yeah, he, um, he had yeah. he had no he had no morals at all. But God, was he funny! Hey, we're just coming up to the last 15 minutes now of the podcast uh, where me and Lee talk about his book, The Beatmax Theory, and uh, his upcoming book, uh, which is in draft one, I believe, uh, Concrete Coloured Skies, which is a thriller that he's writing, so his second novel. Um, uh, And also just wanted to promo next week's show, so uh, with a little bit of an edit, and I think it's, yeah, I'm going to put out the Joe Lysett episode next week. So that'll be on the 23rd of June. Uh, no, 24th of June. Uh, yeah, that'll be going out. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. And uh, hopefully uh, Joe can uh, give us a little bit of a push and a bit of promo and um, start getting this uh, out into a few more people's ears. Uh, but thank you for downloading, for subscribing, for liking, for following on Spotify or however else you're you're getting this. Um, it's really appreciated that anyone's listening to it at all, if I'm honest. Um, but I, it's keeping me busy. Uh, during the lockdown so um, thank you very much and I will see you next week bye 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 um, uh, we, I want to talk about your book and um, so you, you you published a book what how long ago was that about five six years uh, ago? yeah 2015 okay. uh, it was published uh, I wrote most of it though um, way earlier than that uh, I first started writing it in about, two, about probably 10 years prior, so about 2005, yeah. uh, j- just wrote it out in a notebook. Uh, Sarah and I were, were backpacking at the time and we were traveling around Australia and, we were, and it, was a, it was a great time, but we were going to do some long drives. We had this camper van, so uh, she would often just be listening to the radio or looking out the window and I'd be kind of composing. Uh, like scenes for this novel that I wanted to write and then as soon as we parked up I'd jot them down in my notebook. Now I did eventually type it up uh, and show this to some friends and, and, and kind of did nothing with it really for a long long time. Um, it just kind of sat there and uh, then I moved to London and like 2013 and it felt then that there was a kind of there was a bit of a scene of, of kind of like a writer's scene which I, which I kind of got a little bit involved in. I think that kind of gave me the confidence to, uh, yeah, just to, just to kind of do something with the book finally, really. So I did send it out to agents. I didn't get it signed or anything like that. I got some nice comments back, which I believe is, you know, that in itself is, um, is hard enough to get. Um, but it was the kind of the, it was 2015, was like the, the very start of the kind of the self-publishing uh, 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 kind of uh, revolution, which, which now is just a phenomenon. Like, you know, there, there are people that, you know, self-publish as a, as a full-time job um so yeah so i put it out and it, and it did it did better than i ever could have hoped 
it's really like it's sold reasonably well. It gets some nice reviews. And, it's uh, it's uh, got a, it's got a four point one rating on Amazon. I noticed. So uh, oh, that's not, nice. I haven't not, looked in a while, but not too shabby. Yeah. You you'll get your Amazon reviewers who would run down the very best of all time on there anyway. Uh, so you know, right? So for some reason, I once looked on Amazon for the uh, for for Charles Darwin's on the origin of species. Yeah, and he gets four out of five. And you think, well, what, like, what, 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 what did people want? Like, it just wasn't, like, they wanted more. It, just, right. like, it was good, but it just wasn't quite convincing enough. Or it wasn't, oh, I, was, I was really hoping that there'd be some, some, some anecdotes. You've like, hit upon the beagle. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> what? Like, why would you, you'd, you'd, you'd take to the internet to review a book that oh, changed mate. the course of human history, and you'd be yeah. like, oh, it's just not, oh, yeah. It's all right. It was all right. I, 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 you, had a few, you had a few original thoughts, pretty good. You know, yeah, it was completely yeah, uh, mind-blowing and, and changed everything, but fine. You know, I get the same feeling that sometimes I watch like a drama on TV, which, or, you know, when, when something's really good, like, I don't know, I, I don't even know there's bad reviews for this, but, you know, like, this is England, right? They did the drama series of that, and they did each year, yeah. and it was, fuck, I mean, just Stephen Graham, the cast, the, the music, the score... And I bet there's reviews out there where people go, nyeh, nyeh, nyeh. and I, I do sometimes my common phrase exactly is what you've just said. This is why I laughed a lot. Is like, what do people want? I don't know. Yeah. And I know we're all different and all that shit. I can caveat this until the cows come home, which hopefully they will be home soon. I've let them out for a bit, but they will be home. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I'm like, what do, what do you want from like, they want, I'll tell you what they want. They want Mrs. Brown's boys, these people. Yeah. And they're yeah. welcome to it. Or, or there's that kind of thing, like it's because it's not the version that they had in their head. Mm. That, that, that you, but, but like, but not not being what you would have written doesn't make it wrong. Uh, I think, uh, and, and we've all, you know, we've all got opinions. You know, you and I would have discussed films to said cows come home, and, and you know, and we, we all think we're right. But um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, even Charles Darwin, you know, if if, if anybody deserves five out of five, you think it would be him. Uh, so, so that so that, that that helps really as a as a writer. So uh. you know, you do know that you do know that all writers on their gravestone uh, under the epitaph they have the Amazon review score as well. It says that, so it'll say Lee Lee Kenny yeah. um, loving um, husband um, good beard whatever, and then underneath yeah. it'll say four point one out of five. Amazon. Yeah. No, I've never gone on Amazon, so I think you can because I, I haven't been crazy if I'm honest, but I think you can go on there and you can. Um, uh, acknowledge the points made in reviews so you can go in and you can you can address <laughs> things that's it so that just feels like a can of worms I, th I think that's what you can do I, 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 and i'm sorry if i'm wrong but i, I get the impression that's what you can do yeah it's and, uh, to acknowledge your review is another way of saying to argue and go uh, where, where you where yeah. you where you've mistaken my absolute great prose is uh, actually my character <laughs> development was on point so how can yeah. dare you <laughs> yeah can i can i stop you there and explain what you missed um yeah. And the point I would most like to say uh, in those reviews is, is a few of them. So, so my, so my book's set in North Birmingham. What's uh, it called, Lee? What's it uh, called? I, I haven't even said it right. So it's called The Beatmax Theory. And uh, it's, it's like a love letter to Back to the Future. And um, so it's set in North Birmingham. It's both a love letter to Back to the Future and it's the kind of like an anti-Back to the Future. Um, and in Birmingham, it's very common for people to say mom M-O-M. Yeah. Right, so, so, I'm, so I'm not, I was born in the southeast, so I'd say mum. But, but people say mum all the time, right? So in my book, uh, I originally wrote mum, M-U-M. And, and uh, Abby, my brilliant friend that um, helped edit the book, 
she said, she's not even from Birmingham herself, but she said, oh, don't people say mom, M-O-M? So, oh, good point, actually. So it took me ages to go back through that book and, uh, and change <laughs> all the mums to moms. And, and there's a lot in there because, because the, the central premise is that this guy works in a, uh, works in a supermarket uh, like I used to once upon a time, semi-autobiographical. Um, but it's nearing the anniversary of his dad's death. So he wants to make the grave nice for his mom. And that's the, that's the kind of the launch pad really for the story. So it says mom a lot. And in, and in several reviews, they say, why is this author trying to sound American? I say mom. Interesting. Uh, and I want to say, well, you've never been to Birmingham, have you? Well, you have, so, but that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. no. I think that's important because you read it. You read books in the dialect, like uh, Irvin Welsh, right? When you know Train Spotting yeah. and, and Filth, he writes in his dialect because you, you, you can't. That apologise to anyone from Glasgow, but you you, you got to put canny because you can't put can't yeah. because yeah, yeah. no uh-huh. no guy from Glasgow is going to say fucking you can't do that. They're going to say canny, and that's yeah, the way they're going to fucking like. So I, I watch a lot of Limmy. This guy called Limmy. If you have yeah, not yeah, checked yes. Limmy, you, you've. Yeah, so he used to be on um, Charlie Brooker. Yeah, he's yeah. Started, Charlie yeah, Brooker. He's got a Lily yeah, yeah. show on Netflix, and he's done. Um, he's basically on Twitch all the time now. But and he did a great autobiography where he really talks about mental health and his troubles, oh, okay. suicidal and all the rest of it. Drank too much, but he like he just fucking talks about it. like he it, the way he speaks is so that voice yeah. is like it's uh-huh. infectious. And um, uh-huh. I think I can just listen accents. Rightly or wrongly, I find an accent is more interesting. Like the content's yeah. already good, but also then uh-huh. I'm like, oh, the, the lilt of that, you know, it's um, agree. Yes. like he doesn't say police, he says the police. Like yeah. that, that was the police. I'm like, uh-huh. I had to, and I was like, what the fuck is it? The first time I watched the sketch, I was like, what's the police? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. whereas mom and mom, I think we're safe there. I don't think anyone's going to be going, what is this mom? He's speaking about. Well, yeah, is it some sort of uh, regional snack? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, have a look at those reviews. Some people took umbrage uh, with that. It's, it's, it's. Maybe it's just a, I don't know, bit of, bit of anti-regionalism. Well, but, if, uh, there you go. <laughs> an anti-regionalist <laughs> agenda. Look, I yeah, think it, yeah, if, the, if the worst thing that came out of that review is that people didn't like that, I think you probably are in a good stead. As I said, it's a four point one out of five. It's it's a, it's a good read, and I will put in the podcast description oh, um, okay. a, a link to it. So if we can get you another four or five sales from people who listen to this, I mean that's going to put what a four pounds in your pocket easily. If, yeah, and by the time you convert that to New Zealand dollars, you know <laughs> you're talking, you can halve it again. So that's oh man, I'd be very, I'd be, I'd be very grateful. Thank that's, you. That's a that's um, a that's a three thirty mil IPA winging its way straight to yeah. the. There was there was a, there was a spell when I was getting like a check. Um, so the first check came through from sales, and I nearly didn't uh, cash it because I thought oh, this is amazing. Like I've, you know, I've sold some books and I've got a check, and I just wanted to stick it in a frame. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't afford to do that. Uh, it was only <laughs> like hundred quid or something like that. But it's like you know, this this needs to be spent. Um, and then there's a spell when I was kind of getting them on a like semi regular basis, and it felt amazing. Uh, but then that now that dried up many years ago. Um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, not- it, was, it was always nice being contacted by people on Twitter and stuff, like asking questions about the book and. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah, that was that was wonderful, and I'd, I'd yeah, I'd answer people as, as thoroughly as I could and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was it was nice. It was it was like it, it found its audience. Like it didn't sell a billion or anything like that. But um, you know, there's the, are you are you, a, are you are you a Kevin Smith fan? Yeah, I don't know, yeah, 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 yeah. About Chasing Amy and that kind of stuff. Well, okay. she says in that, you know, she says, you know, I sell I sell three copies and I feel like John Grisham, and that was my kind of thing. It was you know, it was like the, uh, uh, mate, I, I and. 
I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that uh, yeah, to have anyone read the words that you've put all that time into and actually get through the whole book is yeah. amazing. And then to it's like a song, right? If I if I don't get a lot of likes when I put songs out on YouTube and all this rest of it, whatever. Mm. But I sometimes get properly good musicians go, mate, this is good, good stuff, yeah, you know, really, yeah, yeah. really nice. And you go, you go, oh, thanks very much. And it's, it, I don't need it for like um, affirmation or anything like that. Yeah. I, I will do it with or without an audience. I'll do this mm -hmm. with or without an audience. It's not about that. It's the, yeah. it's the process of talking to someone else, the cathartic process. And I think where mental health, to bring it back to mm. what the subject is, this podcast is, is, really important to have those conversations to do the stuff that makes you happy and you sort of get i i would say i don't know but 30 seems to be a really big uh, decade for me in terms of the realizations of stuff the realizations i probably already had in my late 20s but you're like uh, okay yeah do what makes you happy all ah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all those uh -huh. times i should have done this before all those times i should have done music professionally and now i do a little bit of that for like you know mm. before fucking lockdown ruined all that shit uh -huh. but like you know playing live to bigger audiences and actually going like yeah. oh shit i could have i could have done it but i just didn't i don't know what it is and 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 the more you do stuff that you don't enjoy i'm not saying you don't have to pay wages and for anyone who does a job where they go oh that's very good to say but i have to do a job i hate every day that's fine but i bet there's stuff in their life that they when they get back it is just purely about them and mm -hmm. to be an auteur and to really just stick to what you think is right i think is take notes like obviously i'm sure you had notes from people like you say you're the, the editor that you gave to to say maybe do this mm -hmm. don't push mm -hmm. back on everything but stick to what because the the nuance and the the, the individualism is what's going to make that a really interesting piece of work rather than you trying to sound like you know dan brown or whoever i'm not saying you ever yeah, want yeah. to sound uh -huh. like dan brown but you know what i mean it's, uh -huh. that's yes that sort of thing oh that's interesting and and i mean uh so the first time you and i met were uh, at one of your gigs wasn't it you were playing in worcester and ah yeah uh, so was that yeah, yeah. before was that before the re was that before the cinema meeting then uh yes yeah, oh, yeah, was yeah. It? that was oh, okay. yes so uh i'd gone down to worcester to see the friends you mentioned Stephen vicky and they said oh we're gonna go along and see this this guy jack and uh, saw you at some little venue in Worcester. So that was the first time we met. So that's, so in my head, uh, that's, that's kind of, I suppose that first meeting kind of cemented like, oh yeah, Jack's the musician. Like, that, that's, you know, that's uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. see you, you know, like, oh, you know, obviously you've got lots of other stuff going on. So you put, well, me, that, you, put me a, you put me in a fucking box, Lee. First stuck me, in a box. You stuck me in a box. He's the musician box. He's probably not happy. He's probably poor. What? Well, no, I, I don't think I, I, I'm not. I don't think I have that level of analysis, really. Um, <laughs> not, not that I'm not interested. I just, I just, I just don't naturally, um, yeah, have that level of insight. But what, what was interesting was when you said you were doing this podcast and mm. you wanted to talk about mental health issues and stuff like that. And then you said at the start of this show, so that was uh, slightly, uh, I guess, it kind of slightly conflicted with the version of you that I knew quite well, like the guy on stage, like the, like you know knowing you on nights out and stuff like that uh that was it was interesting when yeah i remember you saying before you can do you can do a podcast and then when you said recently you can do it on mental health kind of made sense but at the same time that was yeah it was slightly in conflict with you know you as you know as a jack the lad you know uh singer songwriter musician guy who, who's the other i guess the other kind of you know part of the persona uh, that, that you have that was interesting yeah and and Mate, and I totally take that. And I, I think a few friends, like my whole aim with this is to be completely open and honest and just be myself. I think that's the easy, you know, when you're being yourself, when you're just not yeah. having to think about the way to phrase stuff. And like even friends I've spoken to about having therapy recently, another friend said to me, who's known me for years, he was like, 
what, but you're, what? But you're like really, you're all happy in that. I was like, yeah, you know, I am happy. And I'm not saying like, I don't walk around in a, with a fucking cloud over me. But it's not mm. to say you don't have some thoughts that you go, oh, no thanks. Or some stuff mm. in your past and all the rest of it. So, so I think, and it's not, what I think I want to be really clear on is that's not putting on an act. I spoke to someone who's mm. going to be on this podcast, the owner of a pub, um, it says like a takeout pub at the minute they're doing in Worcester called the Arch Rivals and he said like yeah it's not it's not an everyday thing it's not an act you're not trying to be someone you're not but you just mm-hmm. you, you sort of have these the the, uh, the classic analogy I'm sure the first to say this it's like a roller coaster um, and when I say roller coaster what I mean is there's like ups and downs uh, and this is probably my analogy I don't think anyone's ever said okay. this. ups and downs and at the end of the roller coaster they give you a little picture of yourself and a key ring or you can have a, a bigger blow-up picture of that. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, fridge magnet. I often get the fridge magnet. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's often that's often a nice memento. But that feels uh, like a, that feels like an original thought that no one's ever. It, picked it, it seems to me that you're suggesting that there's um, lots of ups, lots of ups and downs. Well, I mean, you got, I mean, like, like that's exactly right. That correctly. You wow, can goodness, <laughs> I should have actually, wow. there's probably another disclaimer at the start of this. Not only would it be geeky and they'll be swearing, but there'll be yeah. some absolutely world-changing uh, yeah. opinions and use of language. People it's won't incredible. know what hit them. Um, but no. Um, and before you go, uh, a chance to plug the new book. Oh, uh, thank you, but it's, but, it's, but it's way off being oh. plugged. But I, so so it's, I've written the first draft. So uh, I, I, mean, I hope to have it out there in the world sometime soon. But it's a, it's a thriller. Um, set here in New Zealand, you know, write what you know. Um, and uh, so it's written. Um, I've enjoyed writing it a lot. Uh, it does actually touch upon, you know, uh, a few things we've kind of talked about here as well. Like there's, there's you know, it does, it kind of central characters is massively struggling with grief and um, alcoholism and uh, self harm and, and things, you know, that's things I've kind of personally experienced, but kind of, you know, things that, things that are, you know, kind of still very much in the world. Um, uh, that you know, friends and loved ones have experienced. So, uh, it touches upon a few of those things we've talked about here. Yeah, who knows when it will come out? But it's uh, I just enjoy writing really, it's just much yeah, yeah. Like, you enjoy performing and stuff like that. But for me, it's um, the process is is the most enjoyable part. Yes, you know, writing and dialogue and characters and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, if, if, if a single person reads it, then, then that's, uh, then that's and, and, so. Bit well, early to plug, really. I'll come back Sarah, on. It's written. Sarah will have to read it because she's, I mean, she's indebted to you. She has to read every bloody word, right? She must love that. Yeah, I think, I think there was uh, legally, legally required. <laughs> I'm sure there was something in our marriage vows that, that legally uh, compels her. Uh, some friends have read it and, and they've kind of said some, some nice things. So, um, but yeah, it's hard, it's hard to judge stuff. Isn't it, when you, when you, all I know is I've liked writing it. So yeah. yeah. Does it, do we have a title, Lee? Do we have a title? Uh, we do. Yes. It's called uh, Concrete Coloured Skies. Nice. And uh, and, I, and uh, that's a line from a song uh, by a Kiwi singer called Big Runga, and it's one of her songs I've taken it from. You're familiar with that or her? Oh, Big uh, Runga, yes, I am familiar with Big Runga, but only one song, which I'll put a link in the podcast, which, which is Sway, yeah, which was used yeah, in the American. That was kind of her. That's kind of her big song. I saw an interview with her recently-ish, where um, uh, she lives. She's from Christchurch uh, uh, in New Zealand, but now she lives in Auckland in a nice house by the beach, and she calls that house. Um, the house that Sway built. That was obviously her huge international hit. That's um, great. I love that. So, uh, so I'm a huge fan of hers. So, so the Beastmax theory was very film centric. My first novel, and uh, this book, I deliberately don't mention a single film, which is really fucking hard. Like, it's, especially <laughs> as somebody, 
like myself, perhaps like yourself, who kind of sees the world through through the kind of like the prism of cinema. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so it's really hard. Sometimes I've gone to write about a film or make a film reference, and I've taken it out because I want it to be very different. But what it does include is kind of like uh, yeah, lots of music that, I, that I'm sort of that, that I that I'm sort of passionate about. So um, that's why yeah, that's that's the title, Concrete Colored Skies. So um, yeah, it will see the light of day one day, and I'll let you know when. Well, that's. That sounds very exciting. I'd like to read it. And um, uh, yeah, no, it's been really good. Thank you for your time, Lee, um, having you on. It'll be late there for you now. It's probably 1 a.m. Uh, or something like that. 10 to 1. Yes. 10 to 1. Yeah. Time for bed. Um, and to keep things uh, filmic, um, and yes. I'll boot you off. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll boot you off at this point. Um, yeah, so uh, I think, let me just get this ready so I can do it properly. I'll re-edit this. It's fine. Um, Yes, so to keep things filmic, I think I'll have to end the podcast on, uh, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That was Lee Kenny, uh, who joined us from Christchurch in New Zealand. Um, he's got two books out, The, ba the Beatmax Theory, and he also has his new book, Concrete Coloured Skies, which is draft one. So that'll be coming out soon, and uh, I'll put a link to the podcast cast description for all the stuff we talked about uh, any comedians any clips anything like that just to give you some content to get you through this bloody time um yeah so uh, thanks for joining me and next episode will be out next wednesday um at eight o'clock i'll aim to launch it about eight o'clock and also the youtube videos will be out as well so follow the youtube channel please like and subscribe and uh, any questions you've got that you want for any of the guests send along to um the mental case podcast at gmail.com I've just realized I barely mentioned the name of the podcast in that entire interview, but who gives a fuck? It's fine. Um, yeah. Thank you. And um, you stay, uh, you stay safe, everyone. Love you. Bye. 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 You are a mental case. 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 You are mental. You are a mental case. 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 You are mental.